and welcome to series three of A Coffee With, a CND podcast where I sit down with some of pharmacy's most inspirational women to find out how they got to where they are today. I'm Emily Stern, a reporter at CND, and in every episode, I'll be talking to a different woman in pharmacy to chat about their career highs and lows, their aspirations and fears, and everything in between. So, pour yourself a cuppa and join me for the latest instalment of A Coffee With. My guest today is Amira Gerges, a pharmacist, internationally renowned expert on drug detection, and also MPharm Programme Director at Swansea University School of Pharmacy. In a pharmacy career spanning almost 15 years, Amira has held roles within community and hospital pharmacy, researched the new area of novel psychoactive substances, or MPS, and notably led the creation of the Home Office licensed pharmacist-led drug checking service in the UK. She was also named one of the Royal Pharmacy School Society's 2020 Women to Watch. So, welcome Amira and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Emily. I'm very honoured to be here today. Yeah, I just want to start off by talking really about how you got into pharmacy. So why did you initially want to study pharmacy? I actually wanted to study pharmacy a very, very long time ago. <laughs> I didn't get the grades. At the time, the grades were changing every year, like the entry requirements. And in that particular year, it was 75% and I got 74.5. So I didn't get the grades. So my next best option was to study accountancy, which what I've done. But I always admired being in the healthcare sector. I always liked sciences and I like doing things, you know, to help people, to help patients in particular. And that's why pharmacy was like my first option. But unfortunately, couldn't make it first round. <laughs> How did you as initially start off in your pharmacy career? And what prompted you to switch from accountancy to pursue your, your dream of studying pharmacy? I didn't used to live in the UK initially. And accountancy was mostly a job for men. So I could not really progress in it as much as I wanted to. But also moving countries and relocating in the UK opened these opportunities for me, which were not an option before. So I grabbed the opportunity and I started again, basically started from scratch. So could you give me a, an overview really of your, your pharmacy career? I started really from scratch, like I started to try and look for work experiences and work as a volunteer in many pharmacies, in hospital and in community. And eventually I got a zero hour contract and a Saturday job where I was doing like everything. I was doing the healthcare assistant role. I was doing the dispenser role. Eventually I became like more knowledgeable in what I'm doing and I was able to fit anywhere they wanted me to. And then I started my pharmacy degree after that and uh, I took it from there. So that's how I started. I spent a few years working in Lloyd's Pharmacy and then I worked in hospital where I've actually had my pre-reg training. And during that time, this is when actually before that, when I was doing my undergraduate years, I started working in research in the summer. And this is where the research bug actually hit me <laughs> and I started to develop a lot of interest and passion in research. So I wasn't too far from the research. So when I was working in hospital, the opportunity came to me and I was offered a sponsored PhD position, which I eventually uh, started. 
at that time, I was doing some bank shifts as a hospital pharmacist, and then eventually I focused on my PhD. When I started my PhD, it was very much focused on lab-based work and analytical chemistry and related a lot to my previous research work as undergraduate. But feeling that I am a pharmacist and I should do more, I actually started to kind of carry out my parallel PhD next to my real PhD. And this is where I started to look for opportunities, how I can share the vast amount of knowledge I developed through my PhD and make it useful for pharmacists. And this is how it all started. So you did your, your PhD focused on novel psychoactive substances or for MPS. What was it about that that reinterested really you? Why did you choose to focus your PhD on that? So when I was working as a pharmacist in hospital, I used to encounter a lot of patients who were using substances that I was not aware of. And linking that to my previous research work, which was on herbal medicines, it was very, very challenging. And not a lot of pharmacists would know a lot or in-depth information about it. So when I started to see patients telling me that they are on marijuana, which I never heard about, and that was the American term for cannabis, I would go back and read a lot. And when I was working in medicines information, I would receive questions from the public or from doctors about similar issues where it intrigued me. And I I was thinking like, we say we are the experts in medicines, yet there are loads and loads of medicines like this, like novel psychoactive substances sold online openly, and we don't really know much about it. And that's actually what triggered me to start working in this area. So your works have notably led the creation of the first Home Office approved drug checking service within the substance abuse service, is that correct? When I started investigating more about the novel psychoactive substances and I wanted to share my knowledge, I collaborated with the Royal Pharmaceutical Society to publish the first fact sheet and guidance about what are novel psychoactive substances and what pharmacists need to know about it. And working from there, I had a discussion with a a colleague who actually uh, manages the pharmacy department in a substance misuse clinic. And I was like, oh, I specialize in the area of drug detection. And then this is where we, we took the conversation from there, how we can couple drug detection with tailored intervention to patients. And this is where the idea came from. So we collaborated together and we initiated this work between the University of Hertfordshire and Adduction, which was the substance misuse service in North Somerset. How did it feel to have such a crucial role in the creation of that first home office licensed pharmacist checking service? It was amazing. It was like the real passion now coming into place because it's literally bringing the science from the lab into practice and test it for the first time and then make it relevant or directly relevant to patients. And it was multidisciplinary, it was interprofessional working, and it was like massive collaboration with the police, the substance misuse clinic, with the home office, and with the relevant stakeholders, including uh, the users, uh, and asking them they feel it would be beneficial to them, and whether this can actually bring more people into treatment. So it was 
overwhelming in so many ways. In a way, you feel this work that was in the lab that was not going to go anywhere outside of a dissertation put on a shelf, it was suddenly going to be tested to be relevant for patients. But at the same time, it was quite tricky because um, having a drug check-in service is quite a controversial matter. And um, it has been faced with a lot of controversy in the past and not a lot of people feel it is something that should be done or um, should be funded uh, or should be paid for um, uh, by the taxpayers. But also, are we going to be using this to actually say that drugs are safe and encouraging more people to use drugs instead of actually bringing them into treatment and, you know, helping them to stop using illicit drugs. So it was that controversy that accompanied the, the implementation of the study. And we had to put a lot of risk assessments in place. We had to, like, think of everything that can go wrong and how we can make it relevant and in line with the UK legislation, in line with the UK government recommendations, but also uh, using pharmacy as a key role to play here to ensure safety of patients, to ensure reduced harm, uh, ensure reduced drug-related death, and bringing new concept in place. The police are not here to arrest people. They are here to support people, not to continue taking drugs to, to reduce dealing or completely stop dealing, but also to, to bring that new concept that can increase patient safety and reduce patient harm. Do you think, do you count that it really is one of the biggest challenges you faced then in your, your career so far? It was one of the biggest challenges. It was very rewarding because the feedback we got and the interventions we were able to make as clinicians in the first instance, the multidisciplinary views that we were able to gain to inform the implementation of these interventions were, were amazing. Uh, but of course, I had other challenges as well. <laughs> What would you say really as I'm in pharmacy then, what is the biggest challenge you've, you've faced and how did you overcome that? I think maybe one of the biggest challenges I had were the changing culture, the changing, uh, like through relocation, it was, it was quite difficult to, to understand the culture initially, uh, to start a new career, to move from accounting to pharmacy at an older age was quite challenging. Also, the fact that when you start from scratch, people still expect you to have that prior knowledge and prior experience somehow. <laughs> but, uh, and that's why actually breaking through these rocks or <laughs> mountains were initially um, very difficult. The other thing was actually breaking into new sectors of pharmacy was also difficult. So going from community to hospital was quite challenging. Going from hospital to research and academia was also very challenging. So I guess th these were multiple challenges I faced um, in my career. What was it about moving from well, about hospital pharmacy that really that interested you from moving from community to hospital and then into research? 
Yes, it was. Uh, these challenges, like, really included, for example, w- when you change sector, yes, you still have the focus of the patient centered care, but it's kind of you need to adopt different aspects to be in line with these different organizations' strategies and views. So, moving from community where it is mostly as well a business, as well as, you know, a healthcare setting, the different services that you provide for patients, where you actually see patients all day, like opening the door and just dealing with the different inquiries as it comes. But in hospital, you're dealing with very ill patients who have been admitted because they are not well. But in hospital as well, you face the interprofessional working, which we study about in our undergraduate years, but it's way too different when you are in practice. So trying to work with the very busy doctors, with the very busy nurses, and try to all collaborate and, and actually nurture and, and, and bring those collaborations. How do you reach the point where it makes sense to all of you? So all of you are seeking this collaboration to happen. So how can you make it relevant for the doctors or for the nurses or for other healthcare professionals you're working with to, to make sure that you are here also on the world because your role is very important? How can you make that message and, and, and bring that message across so that the collaboration is actually useful for the patient at the end of the day? This was one of the biggest challenges that you face, but especially as a junior pharmacist, these challenges can be quite difficult and these collaborations can be quite challenging to achieve. You moved into pharmacy at the age of 32. Was that something that really you, your age you, you thought about when you moved into pharmacy? It was extremely difficult, especially after a long career break and after becoming uh, a single mother. So trying to juggle the high demand and and high requirements of a professional course along with parenting was very difficult. And moving from accounting, which was mainly an an office-based job, to a job where you meet people all the time and you need to have different communication skills and different ways of uh, engaging with people was very, very challenging, especially for a woman who comes from a background where you generally like shy, you don't really speak to, to strangers. So <laughs> suddenly you are, you are in an environment where you speak to people all the time, people you, you may have not seen before and you try to engagement into healthcare services and for the ultimate goal of improving their health was a big challenge. So what would you say really has been some of your biggest career highlights? Of course, the drug checking service, yeah. that was was a big one, but also completing a PhD um, again after uh, two degrees and being uh, a single mom was actually one of the highs. I, I, I never thought I, I would do that. The other thing is the fact that I was given opportunities as a junior pharmacist to uh, present my work nationally um, and internationally. So I presented my work, even I didn't have my PhD, I was able to present my work at borough level. So uh, I was visiting the councils and offering them uh, to give them talks and advice on these drugs, which were actually getting higher into different regions um, of the UK. But I also presented my work at the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime in Vienna. So that was also a very big high in my career.
So you moved from Hertfordshire University to Swansea University in 2019? Yes. What really prompted that move? I needed to develop, I needed to progress in my career and sometimes we feel too comfortable where we are and I think this is where I was. I was a senior lecturer then, Um, I had my research team, I had already like a number of PhD students I was uh, supervising. They used to say I was older than the furniture there. So like I, I knew everything uh, and where things are. You can just ask me anything, any random question. So I, I needed to be challenged and I needed to, to progress and learn something new. And especially that in like probably since 2013, this is when I started to become engaged with and, and part of a national training of foundation pharmacists. So education and training of pharmacists have, you know, become an essential part of what I do on the side of my main day-to-day job. So actually setting up or helping and contributing to setting up uh, the newest school of pharmacy in the country was a big move for me. So it was it, it was not anything I can say no to. So becoming the, the program director of this fantastic new M-Farm uh, within the medical school at Swansea University was really an important step that I wanted to do. You mentioned in other interviews about when you were named one of the 30 women to watch by the RPS that the Swansea programme is a school of pharmacy with a modern approach. What for you makes it different? We were quite fortunate that when we started the new school, of course, the new school has started a few years back, but it was all before receiving its first cohort of students. And we received our first cohort of students in September 2021. But this time actually was very relevant as this was at the same time where the GPHC has published the new 2021 standards for the education and training of pharmacists. So instead of changing the program, an existing program, we actually had a blank canvas that we can design from the start in line with the new standards. So that was actually how we started to think of that course, not as an old course that needs renovation, if I would say, but it was basically a brand new course that was designed in line with the new standards and that was actually focused on the new elements and the new changes that were introduced into the new standards and is going to contribute to this cohort. So this cohort of students who will become prescribers on registration in 2026. So that was um, the biggest modernism in this course. And actually we started on that right from year one. So our students have been trained in line with that, with the new standards and with the new elements of prescribing right from year one. How have you found your role as the programme director? It's very exciting to be part of this team and to be part of this challenging but really exciting project to see how you, you you kind of invest all your efforts all your passion to bring this like it's like a new baby and you are helping that baby to grow so it, I'm not sure how if I'm explaining myself properly but it's a challenge but at the same time a lot of excitement to be part of recruiting students recruiting staff designing the curriculum working together to set how the curriculum will be delivered 
and working together with the senior management team and with other organizations to ensure quality and appropriate governance on the course and also to collaborate also with the professional body, the regulatory body and the statutory educational body in Wales as well to see how the course is going to run even outside of campus. So for example, through experiential learning. As the programme director, I guess you're, you're shaping sort of your, your few students' careers as pharmacists, you're shaping the next generation of, of pharmacists. Does that feel particularly special? It is very special, especially here in Wales, and especially that in Wales we only had one school of pharmacy and we had a national shortage of pharmacists. So I feel honoured that I am contributing to this course, which will actually meet the demands in Wales and restore that equilibrium where we will be able to have pharmacists, in, especially in the rural areas in Wales, where there is a severe shortage of, of pharmacists. Looking back at your, your career, who is a woman in pharmacy that you particularly admire? There is a particular woman I really admire in pharmacy. She taught me, I would say she taught me passion about pharmacy. And initially when I met her, I was like, she's so passionate about pharmacy. Why is that? And I didn't understand it, but I think now I do. So this woman is Stephanie Bancroft. Uh, she spent all her life as a community pharmacist. Um, I met with her for the first time during an OSCE exam when I was a second year pharmacy student. She believed in me, like immediately after our first discussion, she mentored me and, and coached me to be the woman I am today. I must tell you, I was very junior, lacking confidence, studying a pharmacy course in another country. I didn't think I would go anywhere at any time. Like uh, I would be extremely grateful just to finish my degree. So that's how I was feeling at the time. But she believed in me and she motivated me and she gave me roles in the um, uh, to be part of the steering group of the London Northwest Local Practice Forum for Pharmacists. And we were running um, educational meetings for pharmacists at the time. And I was part of the committee as a student, actually running these educational meetings for hundreds of pharmacists every month. And I, I played a big role in that. And that gave me a lot of confidence and motivated me to do a lot of work for pharmacy. And we were doing like national audits across London Northwest. So she helped me grow. She helped me to understand what is that passion about pharmacy. Have you been able to stay in touch? Yes. And I'm very, very grateful to her and to how she supported me without anything in return, even though I was just a student, yeah. She must be very proud. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, she is like my best role model, I must say. Looking back at your, your career, right at the beginning of your career, what's one piece of advice do you think you wish you'd, you'd really been given at the start? The best advice I would have hoped to have had at the beginning of my career is when we face rejections in our career, how, how do we deal with it? How do we move on? How do we understand it's not targeting us as people? We may not have been at the right place at the time. We may not have doing the right thing at the time. And rejections are not the end of the deal. So whether we get rejections in grant applications or in job interviews, 
I think this is something that I wish I had as a junior pharmacist, how to become resilient, how to not give up, how to develop tenacity, determinance to, to reach where we want. And what I learned from that is we need to create our own opportunities. We don't need to give up. When we face rejections, we should just create our own opportunities and pursue them and don't stop. Just keep going. That's so important. I think the best thing you can do is how you respond to that rejection. Mm, correct. Uh, yeah. And I, I think as junior pharmacists, we need mentors, we need role models to help us with these rejections at the beginning of our career. Yes, that's a place into very nicely into what I was going to ask you next, which is what do you think needs to happen to make pharmacy a better or a more rewarding place as a career for women? I think where we are today is so much a better place if we compare it to the last 15 or 20 years ago. Women are now in leadership positions and we have a lot of role models. I mean, we had two female presidents in the Royal Pharmaceutical Society in the last five years and, and one uh, female chair as well. Uh, so we have the role models and we have women in, in leadership positions. I would say to make it even more equitable, we, we may need to ensure that part-time jobs are really part-time, to ensure those flexibilities that are offered to women uh, are taking place to enable us to benefit from their expertise and from their knowledge. So I guess more job sharing, more uh, helping women to take on different roles and uh, probably to have the opportunities to have hybrid ways of working or remote working to enable them to keep going and not to have long career breaks, which I think they do affect women trying to come back to practice. Why do you think it's so important then to have a, a platform for women in pharmacy? It's very important to hear from women in pharmacy and that's why they need to have appropriate platforms to enable them to speak about their knowledge and their expertise and their career aspirations so that we can identify what can be done to support them more. We need also those platforms to inspire junior pharmacists and to give them ways of, you know, how do they move between sectors. So at the moment, for example, I am a mentor for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society and I get, and because I've been always a foundation pharmacist trainer for many years, I get a lot of uh, mentees who are either foundation pharmacists or newly qualified. And this is where my passion is, is to help them um, break into new sectors or help them, you know, go into careers where they thought they cannot do. So try to identify what they need to do in order to meet the requirements for those places. So I think that's why women need to have more platforms or suitable platforms to use to reach out for those. I mean, my last question was around International Women's Day. The theme this year is to break the bias. So how do you think you will help break the bias over the next year? 
we are already lucky to in the UK to have women entering the profession and to, to be pharmacists and to and to have leadership positions. I think what we need to do is to, to break the bias. We really need to ensure that women who enter the profession stay in the profession and progress in the profession. And we we need to continue having role models. And I feel very proud that I have taken on the lead as a woman in the profession in the area of substance misuse and in the area of uh, drug detection and novel psychoactive substances. So I think this is how we would break the bias. How do you hope to uh, take that research further? I would like to continue bringing the science into practice and bringing the science from uh, the lab into practice. And the drug checking pilot, although successful, still requires more research and more funding. So at the moment, we are looking to expand on this and how we can make screening techniques more relevant to be used by non-experts in the field with the provision of some training, of course. I think my ultimate goal is to see these drug checking services being delivered in community pharmacies. And that would be amazing, but more funding would be required and more research would be required. And actually more pharmacists in research uh, are needed for sure. I guess as a program director as well, uh, move your students into research roles. One of the main challenges for pharmacists getting into research is time and money. Because, uh, for example, part of the consultant pharmacist credentialing now is to do some research. But these are very, very busy people. And research requires a lot of time. And doing the job part-time means they are not going to get the full salary that they, they are on because research requires a lot of sacrifice. So I think having research done in the workplace would help because those pharmacists may remain in their full-time jobs and therefore remain on their existing salaries while being involved in research. The other thing I would say is if pharmacists who would like to be involved in research, I would encourage them to get in touch with the higher education institutions, with schools of pharmacy, because they will be able to talk to us. And we have a lot of like a wide variety of expertise in our team and as well as in other teams in other schools of pharmacy, of course. And therefore, we can discuss opportunities. We can discuss sponsorship. We can discuss how they can incorporate research into their day-to-day job and how they can make it relevant. So definitely, there are a lot of solutions. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate you speaking to me. It's been a privilege to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. And this was an honour to me to be here on your platform today. Thank you. That was Amira Gergis, an expert on drug detection and MPharm programme director at Swansea University School of Pharmacy. We spoke about why Amira decided to become a pharmacist, her journey researching MPS, and how she is developing a new school of pharmacy with a modern approach. For more news and updates on CND's Women in Pharmacy group, please visit the CND community via our website, chemistandruggist.co.uk. Thank you for listening.